News Talk 1110-993-WBT, the Pete Callender Show. Fox News reporting that Russian forces have now seized the Chernobyl nuclear plant. The president of Ukraine, meanwhile, put out uh, word on Twitter and social media, quote, we will give weapons to anyone who wants to defend the country. Be ready to support Ukraine in the squares of our cities. Literally opening up the nation's armories to every man, woman, and child in order to defend against the invasion by a superpower. Um, joining me now is uh, former governor and mayor, I always want to say mayor, Pat McCrory, and former WBT host in his own right. Pat, how are you? I'm doing fine. Uh, disturbing news uh, from Europe, yeah. which has worldwide implications, and we're seeing it in the stock market, we're seeing it in fuel prices. Um, there's no part of the world that's impacted um, by war, and war impacts everybody, and uh, especially when it's a superpower. So I think the lesson learned right now, Ronald Reagan was right. He called uh, Russia the evil empire, and probably every president since then has probably underestimated Russia and Putin. And, um, you know, Putin's been warning us for years. I think the last time Russia was... was uh, considered by any politician to be a serious threat was probably in the Obama-Romney uh, debate in 2012. Mm-hmm. Which Romney got a got a shot in last night in a press statement that he issued about that line that he uh, delivered. Uh, or uh, Yeah, he was talking about uh, Russia as our number one geopolitical foe, and um, the response from the Democrats was that the 1980s called they want their foreign policy back, and uh, his statement last night was something wow. to the uh, on the order of, uh, well, the 1980s called and no one answered. Um, so Ben well, Shapiro. Obama, and Obama in that debate and the ABC commentator, remember, like rolled their eyes. Right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, Putin is a very dangerous, dangerous guy. So and, let me ask you this, because Ben Shapiro noted how China took Hong Kong, the Taliban were handed Afghanistan, and now we've got Ukraine, and everybody's expectation now is that China's going to move on Taiwan. So um, is the West in retreat, do you think? Well, times have changed uh, with nuclear warfare and warfare now in space, where if you want to fight, you're talking about a world war. Yeah. And they know it. Putin knows this. So if we jump in, Putin knows that probably that we're we're not willing to take that risk of a world war, and uh, and also the world war is something that we can't imagine today. Not you know we've known since my lifetime nuclear war is a potential, but never did we realize that other types of war going after electronics and banking and utilities and space is now in the um, um, equation. Yeah. But the thing that we've made a mistake on, and, and Biden did, especially in his first year in office, was he started this woke energy policy, which makes us less less independent and more dependent on Saudi Arabia and Russia and the, and the worldwide market of oil. And when you take the United States out of that equation, it hurts everyone. And I think I've been criticizing that since day one, and as governor, you know, I was trying to get new pipelines in from West Virginia, but the woke environmentalists, including some of our corporations, didn't really fight hard enough for it. Um, and natural gas and our petroleum is one of the best assets that America has, not only to uh, 
stop inflation, but to stop war. And right. Yeah, I mean, same, similar dynamic. The mistake of the United States and the woke politics that have taken over our environmental and energy policies in the United States during the last 20 years, frankly. It's been a slow erosion of energy policy. Yeah, slow at first and then very quickly as those things yeah. tend to go. Right. And then you've got yeah. the the same uh, sort of parallel track that Germany took with its Nord Stream 2 deal that, uh, you know, Trump wanted to block, but they went ahead with and, and did, and they got the green light under Biden, and that seems like a terrible mistake. And, like, I think I saw a report today that they're fixing to buy gas tomorrow from Russia through Ukraine for their energy Russia, needs. It's insanity. Russia, Wall Street Journal several days ago said it correctly. Russia is one big gas station. It's the only thing they have is, is oil. That's it. That's mm-hmm. all Russia has. And it helps arm their military and help prop up a communist regime and made Putin a very, very wealthy man. And, um, and now we made it even stronger, Russia even stronger, by shutting down our own resources, whether it be in Alaska or the Canadian pipeline or natural gas in Pennsylvania, the Dakotas, or West Virginia. And it was all we had. And, you know, I'm sorry, a windmill off the coast of North Carolina ain't going to cut it. Yeah. <laughs> That's not going to impact the gas prices here in North Carolina. A windmill or a solar panel outside WBT Studios, it, it, it won't make any difference. And we've been, we've been living off this utopia of, uh, quote, renewable energy. And I said this on the radio. I said it as governor, and I call a lot of heat as saying this as governor, but... We've been lying to the public, including the utilities, including my own company, about the utopia of, quote, renewable energy, when we know that everything we touch is oil-based. Everything we touch is oil-based. Everything? Everything. Even me? Like, am I? No. (laughs) No, so I... I, all right, so what do you recommend that we do? What, do you, what would you like to see? I would do okay. two things. Yeah. First of all, I would, I would do two things as president or as a U.S. senator recommend. I would immediately recommend we reverse all the energy policies that Joe Biden has implemented and open up the energy resources of America now, offshore, on federal land, um, pipelines coming in from Canada, that's not the solution, but it, it does bring more energy and oil and gas into the marketplace, which impacts the worldwide economy and makes us less dependent upon Saudi Arabia, Venezuela, Nigeria, and Russia. This is exactly what Reagan understood. Uh, second, if I were president and speaking in a few minutes, I'd say I want all my corporate partners, all our corporations, from micro, all my woke corporate partners, Microsoft, Apple, Nike, KFC, Pepsi Cola, I want you to stop doing business in Russia right now. Shut it down. Shut it down. Yeah, like pretend that they're Republicans. The largest McDonald's yeah. in downtown Moscow yeah. right now. You know, they can cancel Georgia and North Carolina. Let's see if they cancel. Uh, yeah. Hey. the courage to cancel Russia. So, uh, Pat, I got to ask you real quick because uh, I'm actually kind of I'm going to be in Raleigh uh, tomorrow and uh, Saturday for uh, the John Locke Foundation. They're actually hosting a debate between the Senate candidates. Yeah, You're going to be I'm there. A debate, and sadly, uh, Ted Budd's not coming. Apparently, he's in Florida. You say sadly? Are you? Is it real? Are you really sad? sad for the voters of North Carolina? I mean, he's second in the polls, and I'm first in the polls. But 
why would Ted Budd not want to debate in North Carolina? The candidates. It's just uh, he's living behind these terrible TV ads, which I saw one on Fox. And if any of your listeners see the TV ads, which they use my WBT radio program, where they take snippets, it's pure propaganda. It's it's something uh, um, Russian media would do: is cut and paste and fool the people of North Carolina. And he's hiding over ten million dollars. He's hiding behind ten million dollars worth of TV ads that a pro-China group called the Club for Growth is paying for. And um, it's a sad commentary. I, I want to state very strongly, North Carolina's seat is not for sale, and neither am I. And right now, they're trying to buy a U.S. Senate seat for Ted Budd, a pro-China anti-farm group called the Club for Growth, a group which Rick Perry, former governor of Texas, worked for the Trump administration, said, may the Club for Growth never darken the skies of Texas again. And I'll say the same thing after seeing these ads, which are deceitful and a total lie about my record, uh, not only as governor, but my record on what I talk to the audience on WBT, because they're using all WBT clips yeah. by chopping them up from different days and sure. minutes right. and seconds. It's a sad commentary on what Ted Budd's going to have to do to even have a chance in this race, and then he skips the debate. So I don't mind being hard on him. Uh, but uh, it's a, it's he's he, he can't run on his own accomplishments, and he can't defend his own accomplishments because he did nothing for six years as a, as a U.S. House representative. Nothing. Pat, got to run. Pat McCrory, thanks for your time. I appreciate it, and hey, uh, good luck I'll on the campaign trail. I look forward to the debate, so I'll look for you. Yeah, all right. I, maybe I'll be there. Maybe I'll maybe I'll heckle you from the crowd. Perfect. I'm, <laughs> I'm used to it from you. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Take care, Pat. Uh, that's Pat McCrory. Yep, he's running for U.S. Senate. I have no idea what this tune is. No idea. Wow. All right, News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Joining me now is a, is a fellow that uh, sits right where I'm sitting, right after I sit in the chair. You might say I warm the seat for him. It's uh, Brad Wintable. <laughs> you sound like you're in a crowded space. Are you at a super spreader event? What's up? No, actually, it's not a super spreader <laughs> event. It's uh, CPAC, the, uh, the the conservative political action conference, and uh, a lot of stuff going on. Okay, so I'm going to tell you, I'm like 14 feet right now from, there's Sebastian Gorka. Ah. Th- there behind him is Matt Whitaker. He was uh, the acting AG for a minute under President oh, yeah. Trump. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ted Cruz is at the end of the aisle here. Um, there, there are people, they're, they're kind of, they're walking around, talking to each other. Everybody's uh, hanging out with each other. And we're on Media Row. We're going to have a bunch of great folks come by and say hello to the people in Charlotte and obviously talk about the the big stories that are out. Is there something going on? Out there? I kind of feel like, look, uh, so in all seriousness, though, yeah. uh, I've been look, uh, been listening uh, to your coverage of Ukraine. And the other day, actually, when we do, like, you come in and I leave, and we usually yep. chat for a couple minutes, and you asked me, you were like, so, like, are we going to war in the Ukraine or what? And I, like, full disclosure, not following all the details, but I listen to you, like, on my ride home and when I'm working at the house afterwards, and... I listened to your coverage. I've been listening to your coverage of Ukraine. So what did you know? Did you suspect that this was coming, that this was a likely event or not? Because I don't think you would have just asked me that just out of the blue the other day. 
Well, I, you know, the, the, the trick in that question is the we, right? Are, are we, America, yeah. going to get involved in this? It, it was pretty clear that Putin wanted to make a move on, on Ukraine. He's, he, he hates the people of the Ukraine, hates Ukraine, doesn't like that they're a sort of a modern country that's reaching out to the West with, you know, greater uh, frequency. And uh, he's he, there's something wrong with this guy. I've been saying this. There is something wrong with Putin. I don't know if he's sick. I don't know if he's losing it, whatever it is. But he has got this weird thing that he's trying to do by re-cobbling together the uh, old Soviet Union or the Russian Empire. He thinks he's a czar, I guess, is really probably what it is. Mm -hmm. And um, this is an incredibly dangerous reality. And I don't know what our... I mean, what is our role in this? They're not NATO, right? Right. Uh, Moldova's next to him. They're not NATO either. I mean, he could go right through and grab it. Uh, grab Moldova, um, which it, it's one of those places. You, you, you know what's so weird, Pete? Because I know you're a student of history. I'm a student of history. You know, who would have thought uh, Archduke Franz Ferdinand, not the band, but but right. the guy who was assassinated in Sarajevo, sparks off World War One. I. I mean, these sorts of things have an ability to spark off. And now this morning, Latvia invokes Article Four, not Article Five. Article Four is essentially saying in the NATO uh, agreement, uh, we're worried. We're scared. We're worried. Are you guys going to have our back? And um, if you go to Article 5, it means they've been attacked. Right. So this is all. I, I don't know what Biden says today to calm things and to, uh, you know, try to no. tamp this down. I don't think he can. No. And I said, I hope I hope for the love of God that he does not take questions. Just read a statement. I just want him on teleprompter. I want him just to read whatever somebody else puts in front of him. Right, Hopefully right. it's well written. He can get through it. And then he walks off. I like. But, I don't want to hear him answer questions. But see, but if he walks, this is a double-edged sword. If he walks, if he walks out, then that's going to spook the markets mm. because it's going to look like he's not confident in his position. I think what he has to do is reset. He has to say, look. The Russians moved into Ukraine. That's a sovereign country. The entire United Nations, rep, you know, understands that that's a sovereign country. Vlad, you've got to go. You've right. got to leave. And if he lays that marker down, that's a safe, firm position to articulate. The fear is he doesn't have the ability to articulate a safe, firm position. Bingo. Yeah. And that's the problem. All right, Brett Winterville coming up right after this show here at 3 o'clock. He's live in CPAC. Uh, have a great day. We'll, uh, we'll check back in with you tomorrow if that's all right. You got it, amigo. All Thanks, right, man. man. I appreciate That's you. That's Brett Wernable. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Thanks again to Brett Winterbull for joining me. I like I've been listening to like a lot of his Ukraine coverage because as I said earlier. Like, I, I spend a lot of time focusing on different topics. I cannot be uh, up to speed on Ukraine and Russia. And uh, so I rely on uh, on Brett and his coverage for that uh, in the afternoons. And uh, he said something this morning. He was on this morning with Bo, and he made the point, and he kind of got, uh, got close to it again there, but I just ran out of time. I would have asked him uh, again. But Vladimir Putin is, like, we make this mistake of projecting upon others our ideals, and thinking that, oh, they're just like us. And no, they're not. They have a whole different code, a whole different view of the world and their interests and all that. They're, I said this earlier, Putin has obviously made a calculation here that the juice is worth the squeeze. What is the juice? What is the squeeze? I like. 
I don't, I don't know. I'm not privy to his thinking on this. And Brett, I, I heard him say that uh, as well before that like there's a, that he thinks something's wrong with Putin and that might explain it. Absolutely. That could, and look, these guys, these uh, uh, criminal dictator types of uh, characters, like you get locked away in, uh, uh, you know, in, in the, in the palace and you get surrounded by toadies and yes people, and they're afraid to uh, ever cross you. You you get completely detached from reality, and that then creates this feedback loop, and you just go further and further insane. I think it generally tends to be the case. I mean, that's the way a lot of these guys end up. I don't know. We're waiting on the president of our country, Joe Biden, to uh, to. Is that the two-minute warning? Might have been the two-minute warning there. He was supposed to come on at uh, 12, and then that got pushed back to 12.30. And then it got pushed back to 1.30. And so now I'm, I'm sitting here watching. that They had a fellow just go up and do, I think they did a white balance. That is not a racial, a racial thing. It's a, it's a TV thing. You get, he, was, he went up there, he had his mask on. It was white mask, and I think people were using him to set their colors on their cameras use white to do that so it's called a white balance so um i think that might have also been a two-minute warning and then he was just he just stood there to let people do the white balance so we'll see in another two minutes or so um i do feel the need to point this out because it seems like a lot of people are not aware but joe biden is our president i'm just joe biden is the president right now like as much as I know, as much as people hate Donald Trump and want to blame him for everything, um, Donald Trump was not in office when Putin invaded Ukraine yesterday or this morning, their time. Right? That this is all on Biden. So all the Biden folks, all the people that were like, "You need to vote for Joe Biden because Donald Trump is a terrible person," and all the the Never Trump Republicans. Like, all the Joe Biden apologists, everybody that was like, he's going to stand up to Putin because Trump is a stooge of Putin. He's a puppet of Putin's. And all you, you can take all the seats right now. Just whichever one you want. There are a whole bunch of them. You just sit down. You don't You don't get to do the butt Trump today. You don't get to do any of that. They, these are, sorry, these are the rules. You, you don't get to do any of that. Not for a little while. You got to let that breathe. Because I'm old enough to remember when anything and everything was because Donald Trump, and now you've got your guy in who was supposed to stop the very thing that just happened, and he did not. I don't know what he's going to say here in a minute or so. I think when he comes on to the uh, when he comes on camera, I I don't know. I I I'm praying for strength and guidance. For him. Because the world needs it. I think the world needs it right now. Otherwise, we get back to my original question was, if it's not America projecting power outside of our borders, who else would you prefer it be? And seriously, like, this is my, that's sort of my, my guiding question in foreign policy because I keep coming back to us as the answer to that question. Our nation, 
because I don't trust any other nation and the way they govern themselves. I don't trust them. I don't trust any of them, but I trust us to do the right thing the most amount of times versus others, if that makes sense. I trust us a little teensy-weensy bit more than I trust anybody else. Plus, also, like, I have some way of impacting the course and the direction uh, of that policy because we live here, right? So, like, there is a benefit there. I see that benefit. But there are a lot of people right now that do not want to accept the responsibility of their votes. Anthony Abitis over on Twitter, he said, it's okay, guys, we'll remember the four-plus years of you holding every single Trump voter, and even the people who didn't vote for Trump. You held all of them responsible for all the bad stuff that happened from 2017 through 2021. We'll remember that, even if you don't want to. And there are people right now who cannot seem to understand, cannot accept the reality that Joe Biden is president in the middle of a land war perpetrated by the guy that Biden said repeatedly he would be uniquely positioned to keep in check. Just like he was going to shut down the virus, he was going to stand up to Putin. And then he sent Kamala Harris, which that's the first sign you know things are not going to go well, right? First he sends her to the border, and look what happened there. And then he sends her over to Europe, and Putin invades. Right? Like, that's... Like, she's the canary in the coal mine. Right? Like, she's the Jim Cantori of uh, of the Biden administration, of foreign policy. Right? She's the Jim Cantori. Right? If, if she shows up in your town... You know something bad is is going to get worse. That's the idea here. Um, I got a couple of emails here. I'm still waiting. We're waiting on the president. So um, do, 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 do this is from Tim, who says, Pete, what do we do? I say nothing. Why are we interested in Ukraine when NATO seems to not be interested? It is their backyard. I think this situation is being pushed by the military industrial complex who needs to sell more goods and the demo rats, which, by the way, not a fan of the not a fan of of, of uh, turning the words into those ty- like demon rats or rethuglicans like, yeah, yeah, I'm not impressed with those uh, turns of phrase. But anyway, um, the Democrats who need a distraction from their own domestic failure. So you think the Democrats are the reason why Putin invaded Ukraine? The military-industrial complex who needs to sell more goods. Am I reading that right? That they they got Putin to invade Ukraine? We need to pay attention to our own borders. I Well, I agree with that. But the answer is nothing. Tim offers up that we do nothing. Which, of course, uh, and look, I understand the frustration with NATO. This was one of the reasons why when Trump was ripping NATO so much, I was on board with him doing so because they needed some tough love. All right, here's the president. He's actually now approaching the uh, uh, the podium. Build a field hospital, which uh, tells you all okay. you need to know about his intentions all along. He rejected every good faith effort the United States and our allies and partners made to address our mutual security concerns through dialogue to avoid needless conflict and avert human suffering. For weeks, for weeks, we have been warning that this would happen. And now, 
It's unfolding largely as we predicted. In the past week, we've seen shelling increase in the Donbas, a region in eastern Ukraine controlled by Russian-backed separatists. Rus the Russian government has perpetrated cyber attacks against Ukraine. We saw a staged political theater in Moscow, outlandish and baseless claims that Ukraine was, a, Ukraine was about to invade and launch a war against Russia, that Ukraine was prepared to use chemical weapons, that Ukraine committed a genocide. Without any evidence, we saw a flagrant violation of international law in attempting to unilaterally republics on sovereign Ukrainian territory. And at the very moment that the United Nations Security Council was meeting to stand up for Ukraine's sovereignty, to stave off invasion, Putin declared his war. Within moments, moments, missile strikes began to fall on historic cities across Ukraine. Then came the air raids, followed by tanks and troops rolling in. We've been transparent with the world. We've shared declassified evidence about Russia's plans and cyber attacks and false pretexts so that there could be no confusion or cover-up about what Putin was doing. Putin is the aggressor. Putin chose this war. And now he and his country will bear the consequences. Today, I'm authorizing additional strong sanctions and new limitations on what can be exported to Russia. This is going to impose severe cost on the Russian economy, both immediately and over time. We have purposely designed these sanctions to maximize the long-term impact on Russia and to minimize the impact on the United States and our allies. And I want to be clear, the United States is not doing this alone. For months, we've been building a coalition of partners representing well more than half the global economy. 27 members of the European Union, including France, Germany, Italy, as well as the United Kingdom, Canada, Japan, Australia, New Zealand, and many others, to amplify the joint impact of our response. I just spoke with the G7 leaders this morning, and we're in full and total agreement. We will limit Russia's ability to do business in dollars, euros, pounds, and yen to be part of the global economy. We'll limit their ability to do that. We're going to stunt the ability of, to finance and grow Rus the, the Russian military. We're going to impose major, and we're going to impair their ability to compete in high-tech 21st century economy. We've already seen the impact of our actions on Russia's currency and the ruble, which early today hit its weakest level ever, ever in history. The Russia stock market plunged today. The Russian government's borrowing rates spiked by over 15%. In today's actions, we've now sanctioned Russian banks that together hold around $1 trillion in assets. We've cut off Russia's largest bank, a bank that holds more than one-third of Russia's banking assets by itself, cut it off from the U.S. financial system. And today, we're also blocking four more major banks. That means every asset they have in America will be frozen. This includes VTB, the second largest bank in Russia, which has $250 billion in assets. As promised, we're also adding the names to the list of Russian elites and their family members that, are sanctioning, that were sanctioned as well. As I said on Tuesday, 
These are people who personally gain from the Kremlin's policies, and they should share in the pain. We will keep up this drumbeat of those designations against corrupt billionaires in the days ahead. On Tuesday, we stopped the Russian government from raising money from U.S. or European investors. Now we're going to apply the same restrictions to Russia's largest state-owned enterprises, companies with assets that exceed $1.4 trillion. Some of the most powerful impacts our actions will come over time. As we squeeze Russia's access to finances and technology for strategic sectors of its economy and degrade its industrial capacity for years to come. Between our actions and those of our allies and partners, we estimate that we'll cut off more than half of Russia's high-tech imports. It'll strike a blow to their ability to continue to modernize their military. It'll degrade their aerospace industry, including their space program. It'll hurt their ability to build ships, reducing their ability to compete economically. And it will be a major hit to Putin's long-term strategic ambitions. And we're preparing to do more. In addition to the economic penalties we're imposing, we're also taking steps to defend our NATO allies, particularly in the East. Tomorrow, NATO will convene a summit. We'll be there to bring together the leaders of 30 allied nations and close partners to affirm our solidarity and to map out the next steps we will take to further strengthen all aspects of our NATO alliance. Although we provided over $650 million in defensive assistance to Ukraine just this year, it's last year, let me say it again. Our forces are not and will not be engaged in the conflict with Russia in Ukraine. Our forces are not going to Europe to fight in Ukraine, but to defend our NATO allies and reassure those allies in the East. As I made crystal clear, the United States will defend every inch of NATO territory with the full force of American power. And the good news is, NATO is more united and more determined than ever. There is no doubt, no doubt that the United States and every NATO ally will meet our Article 5 commitments, which says that an attack on one is an attack on all. Over the past few weeks, I ordered thousands of additional forces to Germany and Poland as part of our commitment to NATO. On Tuesday, in response to Russia's aggressive action, including its troop presence in Belarus and the Black Sea, I've authorized deployment of ground and air forces already stationed in Europe to NATO's eastern flank allies, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Poland, and Romania. Our allies have also been stepping up, adding the other allies, the rest of NATO, adding their own forces and capabilities to ensure collective defense. And today, within hours of Russia's unleashing its assault, NATO came together and authorized and activated an activation of response plans. This will enable NATO's high readiness forces to deploy and when and where they're needed to protect our NATO allies on the eastern boundaries of Europe. And now I'm authorizing additional U.S. force capabilities to deploy to Germany as part of NATO's response, including some of the U.S.-based forces that the Department of Defense placed on standby weeks ago. I've also spoken with Defense Secretary Austin and Chairman of Joint Chiefs General Milley about preparations for additional moves should they become necessary to protect our NATO allies and support the greatest military alliance in the history of the world, NATO. As we respond, 
My administration is using the tools, every tool at its disposal, to protect American families and businesses from rising prices at the gas pump. You know, we're taking active steps to bring down the cost, and American oil and gas companies should not, should not exploit this moment to hike their prices, to raise profits. You know, in our sanctions package, we specifically designed to allow energy payments to continue. We are closely monitoring energy supplies for any disruption. We've been coordinating with major oil producing and consuming countries toward our common interest to secure global energy supplies. We are actively working with countries around the world to elevate collective release from the strategic petroleum reserves of major energy consuming countries. And the United States will release additional barrels of oil as conditions warrant. I know this is hard and that Americans are already hurting. I will do everything in my power to limit the pain the American people are feeling at the gas pump. This is critical to me. But this aggression cannot go unanswered. If it did, the consequences for America would be much worse. America stands up to bullies. We stand up for freedom. This is who we are. Let me also repeat the warning I made last week. If Russia pursues cyber attacks against our companies, our critical infrastructure, we are prepared to respond. For months, we've been working closely with, our pri with the private sector to harden our cyber defenses, sharpen our ability to respond to Russian cyber attacks as well. I spoke last night to President Zelensky of Ukraine, and I assured him that the United States, together with our allies and partners in Europe, will support the Ukrainian people as they defend their country. We'll provide you humanitarian relief to ease their suffering. And in the early days of this conflict, Russia propaganda outlets will keep trying to hide the truth and claim success for its military operation against a made-up threat. But history has shown time and again how swift gains in territory eventually give way to grinding occupations, acts of mass civil, mass civil disobedience, and strategic dead ends. The next few weeks and months, we hard on the people of Ukraine. Putin has unleashed a great pain on them. But the Ukrainian people have known 30 years of independence. And they've repeatedly shown that they will not tolerate anyone who tries to take their country backwards. This is a dangerous moment for all of Europe, for the freedom around the world. Putin has committed an assault on the very principles that uphold the global peace. But now, the entire world sees clearly what Putin and his, Kremlin, and, and his Kremlin allies are really all about. This was never about a genuine security concerns on their part. It was always about naked aggression, about Putin's desire for empire by any means necessary, by bullying Russia's neighbors through coercion and corruption, by changing borders by force, and ultimately by choosing a war without a cause. Putin's actions betray his sinister vision for the future of our world, one where nations take what they want by force. But it is a vision that the United States and freedom-loving nations everywhere will oppose with every tool of our considerable power. The United States and our allies and partners will merge from this stronger, more united, more determined, and more purposeful. And Putin's aggression against Ukraine will end up costing Russia dearly economically and strategically. We will make sure of that. Putin will be a pariah on the international stage.
Any nation that countenances Russia's naked aggression against Ukraine will be stained by association. When the history of this era is written, Putin's choice to make a totally unjustifiable war on Ukraine will have left Russia weaker and the rest of the world stronger. Liberty, democracy, human dignity, these are the forces far more powerful than fear and oppression. They cannot be extinguished by tyrants like Putin and his armies. They cannot be erased by people, from people's hearts and hopes by any amount of violence and intimidation. They endure in the contest between democracy and autocracy, between sovereignty and subjugation. Make no mistake, freedom will prevail. God bless the people of a free and democratic Ukraine. May God protect our troops. Associated Press, Zeke. So do you have any plans to speak with President Putin at this point? And what interactions have you had with the Russian government? I heard the first part. Do I have any plans to speak with Putin at this point? And what? What communications have you had with the Kremlin as far as uh, military operations in Ukraine and making sure this does not spiral into a larger conflict? Well, it's a large conflict already. The way we're going to ensure it's not going to spiral to a larger conflict is by providing all the forces needed in the Eastern European nations that are members of NATO. NATO is more united than it's ever been. And I have no plans to talk with Putin. Uh, Wall Street Journal, Tarina. Mr. President, you didn't mention SWIFT in your sanctions that you announced. Is there a reason why the U.S. Uh, isn't doing that? Is there a disagreement among allies um, regarding SWIFT and whether uh, Russia should be allowed to be a part of it? The sanctions that we have proposed on all their banks have of equal consequence, maybe more consequence than SWIFT number one. Number two, uh, it is always an option, but right now that's not the position that the rest of uh, Europe wishes to take. Um, uh, Cecilia Vega, ABC. Sir, sanctions clearly have not been enough to deter Vladimir Putin to this point. What is going to stop him? How and when does this end? And do you see him trying to go beyond Ukraine? And a second question I'll just give to you now. This statement that he gave last night, will, that the, the threat that he gave, the West will face consequences greater than any you have faced in history. Is he threatening a nuclear strike? I have no idea what he's threatening. I know what he has done, number one. And number two, no one expected the sanctions to prevent anything from happening. It has to show, this is going to take time, and we have to show resolve so he knows what's coming. And so the people of Russia know what he's brought on them. That's what this is all about. This is going to take time. It's not going to occur. He's going to say, oh, my God, these sanctions are coming. I'm going to stand down. He's going to test the resolve of the West to see if we stay together. And we will. We will, and it will impose significant costs on him. Will he go beyond Ukraine, sir? Do you see him going beyond Yes. Thank you. Hi. Two topics, just really quick. First, markets are down and gas prices are up. I know you always stress the difference between Wall Street and Main Street, but everybody seems to have pain. How economically painful is it going to get for people in this country? And I do have one more question. First of all, there's no doubt that when a major nuclear power 
attacks and invades another country, that the world is going to respond. And markets can respond all over the world. So there's no doubt about that, number one. Number two, the notion that this is going to last for a long time is highly unlikely as long as we continue to stay resolved in imposing the sanctions we're going to impose on Russia, period. What's the next question? I'm sorry. The next question is, did you underestimate Putin? And would you still describe him the way that you did in the summer as a worthy adversary? At the time, he was, I made it clear, as an adversary, and I said he was worthy. I didn't underestimate him. And I've read most of everything he's written. Did you read the, I shouldn't, I'm not being a wise guy. The, you, you heard the speech he made, almost an hour's worth of speeches, why he was going into Ukraine. He has much larger ambitions in Ukraine. He wants to, in fact, reestablish the former Soviet Union. That's what this is about. And I think that his, uh, his ambitions uh, are, are completely contrary to the place where the rest of the world has arrived. You're confident that these devastating sanctions are going to be as devastating as Russian missiles and bullets and tanks? Yes, Russian bullets, missiles, and tanks in Ukraine. Yes, I am. All right, uh, we're going to bail out. This is now the Q&A, so he is taking questions, and uh, we'll, we'll keep monitoring it.